The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope you all had um, a safe and healthy and happy uh, holiday season. Um, We're glad to be back in in the swing of things, and um, I'm hoping that everybody's getting used to 2014. Um, we have an interesting show today. Uh, our topic is going to be about recovery and spirituality. And um, for people who are who are new to this topic, it's important to understand that, you know, um, there's an old saying, it's easy to stop drinking or using drugs, it's hard to stay stopped. And part of the recovery process really does revolve around a spiritual journey. And um, our guest today is going to give us a lot of um, pointers on that. Um, He's Lee McCormick, and he is the founder of the Integrative Life Center in Nashville, the Ranch Recovery Center in Tennessee, and the Canyon Treatment Center in Malibu, California. And Lee has been a creative force in the mental health and recovery arena for over 15 years. He founded Spirit Recovery Incorporated to produce healing and recovery conferences and spiritual journeys around the world. Lee is also a founder in Nashville's Integrative Life Center um, Community Recovery Program in Nashville, Tennessee. He has also authored the Spiritual Recovery Meditation Journal to Assist People in Reclaiming Their Lives. Lee is executive producer and has had a leading role in the documentary Dreaming Heaven, the true story of experiences of 18 people over five days at, and Lee, i got to have you help me pronounce this. <laughs> Teotihuacan. Say that again? Teotihuacan. Teotihuacan. Okay. Um, and welcome to our show. Yeah, thanks, Mary. It's good to be here. Um, I guess the first thing, because I can't pronounce it, it's really important for us to understand what is Teotihuacan and why and what is the connection to to that and spiritual journeys. Teotihuacan is it's a city. Um, well, it's an archaeological site today, but it, I still consider it a city. Um, it was one of the largest cities on earth. 1,500 years ago, there were over 200,000 people that lived in the area around um, the, the pyramids and the temples and, and, you know, what the archaeological zone consists of today. And what Teotihuacan was and has been um, for literally four or 5,000 years now um, was a, an anchored seat of consciousness, I guess you could say, not unlike what Jerusalem has been um that that there there's a a presence there there's a legacy and a history there um and there have been um ongoing practices and relationships and 
um, reflections um, for for people for humanity um, in you know in the ways that we when we take the time to stop and to connect on the deepest levels and to really look at you know who are we and what are we doing and you know what's what's really going on here and so Teotihuacan is is one of those special places on this planet that um, that human beings have come for a long long time in in that quest for a deeper connection to the truth I guess you could say um, I think I read where you live there part of the year yeah I do in fact I just got back from there two days ago um, yeah and we have a, a home in tail we have a little boutique hotel called the dreaming house that we created with our our Mexican family, um, my wife and I have with our compadre and comadre in Mexico um, over the last 10 years. And so we've literally created a place that um, was created to be a home to people who come there on journeys. And, you know, the, what was so compelling and appealing to me around the shamanic work and the, the history and the teachings of Teotihuacan is that it... It's focused on our individual relationship to life. It's not focused on um, us adopting and adapting a belief system that we need to live up to in order to be right. See, rather than it than than someone telling you how to do things and what the way you need to do it and how you should do it if you want to be accepted and be correct, you're directed to reconnect to your own heart and your own spirit and learn to find your answers in your own unique way, because they come from within us. Um, you know, the, the truth seems to be our, our individual truth and our individual connection to life is really anchored within us. It's not out here in the world to be found. It's within us to be discovered. And so it's a shift from, from um, you know, what a lot of us in life are, are given these rule books and told what we need to do in order to fit in and be good enough and do it right and be correct. Um, and that just, especially for folks in the recovery processes, that's not a very effective format. Um, it works for some people and it doesn't work for a lot of people. And so, you know, my, my connection in relation to Teotihuacan is that um, it offers us the opportunity to reclaim our authenticity as the journey. That's the, that's the journey is reclaiming my own authenticity. Well, I think in, in many respects, um, when, when I think about somebody who's in recovery from a severe mental illness or a substance use disorder, their authenticity is, is sometimes just diminished by the, by the disease, by, by their experience. And, um, and there's, there's so much discrimination that people experience that I think sometimes it's hard to be authentic because of the stigma and the discrimination and the, the belief that I have to be like everybody else or I won't be normal. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> I mean, well, I, th- I think what you're speaking to there is, is it's really the unfortunate side of the culture that we have here in the United States that, um, you know, being fitting in and being compliant and and basically... Um, needing to live up to the narrow the, the narrow parameters of what the culture 
um, is comfortable with excludes a lot of people. Um, it excludes, you know, and it excludes people in all in, in a lot of areas. Of course, it, it's you know it's problematic for for people that have um, you know mental health challenges and and uh, um, just behavioral issues. Um, and it's also very it, it, it's also very challenging for people who are really truly gifted artists in a lot of ways that you know expressing ourselves in an authentic way if it's not culturally um, compliant um, is frowned upon and I, I don't know in my experience I think that makes a challenging situation even even worse and we're just not a very tolerant culture really. We want to believe that we are, and the truth is, from my experience, um, oftentimes we're just not. We're not very open-minded, and we're not very tolerant of, of creativity and of authenticity and of people who have different perceptions and different, that, that kind of live on a different frequency band. Right, um, right. So, so when we think about um, recovery, um, what do you think, from your perspective, is the thing that is missing in traditional re- kind of path, path to recovery that you find in Teo? Um, well, I'll go back to what I said originally, that, um, you know, I think the acceptance of, of ourself as we are, where we are, that you know what, I am good enough and you are good enough. And we've always been good enough. And we may, we may have behaved in all kinds of ways. You know, we may have been very ridiculous or very destructive or very selfish or very whatever in the ways in our behaviors. And that doesn't change the essence and the truth of what we are as, as human beings, as reflections of or aspects of the one that created us. So the journey in Teotihuacan and my relationship, how I first got connected there, was that in early recovery myself, you know, 15, 16 years ago, um, I just couldn't get comfortable with being told that, okay, my name's Lee, I'm an addict, and this is now, as an addict, what you, Lee, need to do in order to be okay. You need to accept these beliefs. You need to accept these points of view. You need to live your life according to this book of rules and conduct as a recovering person if you're going to be accepted in the realm of recovering people. You know, and I was a little older than a lot of people. I was 41 when I went to treatment, and that just didn't resonate with me. And what I realized sometime later, of course, you know, saying, look, I... I just can't buy into this. The response that I got is, well, that's your disease. That's your, that's your, you know, that, that's yourself will run riot. That's, I got a lot of cliche answers back. Um, and the truth was that that disease that I had with, with being told I had to live up to another set of expectations as a recovering person, that disease that I had was actually my integrity saying that, you know what, the answer to what I'm suffering from was a disconnection from the truth of who I am. It was not 
um, the answer was not going to be found in me adopting and adapting to a new set of rules. It was that, of course, I had to change my behaviors. Of course, you know, my addiction had to be addressed. But the answer to my issue was a reconnection to my own heart and spirit. And that's literally what Bill W. talked about in the big book. And, you know, that this is a, it's, it's about a spiritual awakening. And we'll be right back after this commercial to talk more with Lee about um, spiritual awakening and recovery. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. Our guest today is Lee McCormick, and we've been talking about um, the spiritual journey and recovery, which um, for most of my experience, um, you know, we've always talked in the world of addiction about the hole in your soul, that that's the one common thing that most people will, will, will really identify with, that there's something inside that's either raw or, or just empty, and um, and alcohol may fill it up for a little while or drugs may fill it up for a little while or gambling or sex or shopping or all those behaviors can fill it up, but it doesn't really cure the hole in your soul. And 
I think that um, we don't talk enough about that sometimes as a treating profession. I think we, you know, we talk a lot about medication and we talk about different therapies, but which are important, but they certainly don't fill the hole in your soul. And I wondered, Lee, if you could talk a little bit more about this, because I know in in your book, Dreaming Heaven, Kelly talks about soul loss, and um just wondered if you could talk to the audience more about that. Sure. Well, I can, you know, I can certainly talk about my experience with that personally. Um, <clears throat> I think it's, you know, it's funny um, to a degree that we identify, well, drugs and alcohol and, and sex and, uh, as you said, all of these different behaviors, all these different um, medicators that we use to try and fill the hole in our soul. But the hole in our soul, from my experience, existed a long time before we ever got to the point that we started seeking medicators, that we started looking for a way to, to address the, the, the pain or the loss or the fear or whatever it was eating at us. Um, <clears throat> and I, I really, truly believe that, you know, we are created as an aspect of of what I call the mystery. Um, we have all kind of beliefs about God and creation. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and, and, you know, there's all kinds of, of religious affiliations and connections and interpretations and non-religious um, versions of the same thing. And for me, the truth is, we can believe whatever we want to believe. The truth is, we don't really actually know. And so I see us as being an aspect of maybe what indigenous people just call the great mystery. Well, as an aspect of this great mystery, we have an irrevocable connection to, to spirit, to source, to wherever it is we come from. Um, and our consciousness and our heart and our soul um, comes into this world and is embodied in this physical body, you know, as a human being, and we live our experience in this world, and the body dies and returns to the earth, and the spirit continues on. Um, and we have become, as, as, as people, as human beings, we've become so enmeshed in and, and obsessed with the physical world and the external world um, you know, our systems all revolve around possessions and power and money and, and comparisons and, you know, the haves and the have-nots and all this external manifestation. Um, and none of that is actually what we really are. What we really are is the consciousness that's embodied in this human body and the spirit that animates the body. Um, in modern culture does not acknowledge that, really. Modern culture is very mind-oriented and intellect-oriented and externally focused um, and, you know, consumption-driven. Um, and, you know, I think the indigenous peoples of old and even the indigenous peoples of today that have, still have their cultures intact, um, they live a very different perception of life a very different understanding of life. So they live more from a heart-centered place from the inside out. We have been taught to try and live from the outside in. And it creates an inherent disconnection 
between the truth of what we really are as a spiritual being, as a consciousness, um, and the the beliefs that we hold about ourselves as an identity, as a role. You know, my name's Lee, and I'm a cowboy, and my name's Lee, and I'm a writer, and my name's Lee, and I'm an addict. And I can give you all of these titles that all uh, that all represent different roles that I play in my life, but I'm not any of those roles. Those are the things that I do. They are not what I am. What I am is the one who embodies the role, who gives the role life. So the whole in our soul, I think, is just the direct result of the point of view that we've been taught to live life from. And um, I, I see it all through our society and all through our culture. And it's not something that... Um, that is more prevalent in the recovery community than it is in all the rest of society. It's something that our, I believe our entire society is suffering from on a massive level, um, is, a, is this disconnection from our spirit and the truth of our spirit. And a belief system cannot replace that. What I'm talking about is a living relationship with our heart and our soul and, and a, an ongoing communication with our own spirit and an awareness of our own spirit and how we really feel from day to day and choice to choice and place to place. You know, whereas beliefs, again, are more of an external in point of view. What I'm talking about is a living, embodied internal relationship with yourself. So how does it differ from living, like if we, most of us have a, a set of values that we live by, how does that differ from that? Well, I don't think it necessarily differs from it. Um, I, you know, where do our values come from? Um, I think as kids or young people, you know, our values, we're taught our values. We're taught um, what, what we should believe. We're taught good and bad and right and wrong. Um, and, you know, it's coming to us from the outside in. And then we live life. And we have experiences, and we live the cause and effect of our choices. And so through actual experience, then, um, the values that we inherit, that we're taught, are, are framed up against the actual living experience. You know, and I think we all go through that, and we realize, well, some of the things that I was taught as a kid in church or by my parents or through the course of life, some of those things have held true, and some of them... I just don't agree with. There, I've not found that to be the truth. My experience has been something else. Um, so, you know, there is, I believe, for people who, who pay attention and who are conscious and awake, which is almost everybody, you know, to varying degrees, um, experience helps us or gives us the reality of what we have embodied as values. Experience either either supports what we've chosen to believe or experience challenges those beliefs, and it's experience that's real. In in my in my experience, right, experience right. is real. You can hold a belief, and you can demand that belief be right, regardless of all the experience in the world, and you're just fooling yourself. I mean, there's no you know, and and people do that all the time. Um, we do it all the time. You know, it's funny to me because we hear the term, well, God is love. But a lot of the people who will tell you God is love will turn right around and tell you that if you're 
you know, if you're not good, God's going to judge you and send you to hell. Well, you can't have it both ways. If God is love, God's not going to send you to hell. If God is judgment, then God is not love. Uh, see, to me, it's like that's incongruent. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's a matter of us learning to have faith in our own experience. God knows. God knows. If I had paid attention to the experiences and, and my own heart and soul, you know, when I was 25 years old and running around doing drugs and alcohol and living like an idiot, um, if I had paid attention to the messages of my body at that time and my own heart at that time, you know, I wouldn't have kept doing the stuff I was doing. But I was living from the neck up. You know, my, my reality, my life, my values were all about what was spinning in my head. So I ignored the integrity of my body's saying, hey, wait a minute, this stuff hurts. And I ignored my heart when my heart said, God, I don't want to do this again. And I just kept going. You know, I think that, you know, you've, there's a lot of things that you've said that I want to I want to talk about because it's just, I've got a lot of questions. And, and I think that, you know, um, for a lot of us, those foundational beliefs that were taught or given is how we measure our experiences. And I think that sometimes... Um, people have had significant trauma in their in early on, and they view the world through that trauma or through that really negative experience, and they let them define themselves by that. So they 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 tend they may tend to see themselves as a victim. They may tend to see themselves as powerless. And you know, there there it's from my belief anyway is there has to be you have to have something internally to sort out those experiences because you can have experiences that can define you in a positive or negative way, but you have to be able to figure out is this is this who I am or is this something I can overcome? You know? So mm-hmm. what do you call that? Oh God, it's just our inheritance in this world. But what do you, you know, measure it? I mean, if somebody if somebody comes up to me, and um, let, let's say I'm backing my car out, and somebody comes and you know backs into me or runs into me, and um, I end up with a whiplash and unable to work, how do I interpret that experience? Do you know, or if I've been a victim of rape, or I've been a victim of child abuse, or or domestic violence. How do I, how do I separate myself from my, my worthiness if those have been my experiences growing up? So, what's that internal anchor? How do you guide yourself? What do you, how do you define that? And I guess we're going to commercial. So I'll give you time to think about that, Lee, and we'll be right back <laughs> after this commercial. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned 
common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back. Um, we're talking about spirituality and recovery and all those esoteric things that none of us really have an answer for, but um, because it is a personal journey. And our guest is Lee McCormick, who we, we mentioned is the founder of Integrative Life Center in Nashville, the Ranch Recovery Center in Tennessee, and the Canyon Treatment Center in Malibu. And Lee has also authored the Spiritual Recovery Meditation Journal, and he's also been um, having a leading role in the documentary Dreaming Heaven, which is a true story of experiences of 18 people over five days at TeoCon, which I know I just murdered. But um, before we went to break, we were talking about the, the fact that, you know, um, I believe, Lee, what you were saying is the experiences are who we are, and that's how we measure ourselves. Well... Um, not exactly. What I was okay. saying is that um, we are the one living the experience. We're not the experience that we have. This okay. this is getting where I'm where I'm going with this conversation now. Something that that really gets into uh, there to usually get into. You know, if, if you're working with a group of people over a period of time, but um, you know, the experiences that we have in life. Um, if you use the four agreements, for instance, Miguel Ruiz's book, if you, if you can live the experiences in your life and realize when you're taking them personally and when you're not taking them personally, if we, if we see a traumatic experience in our life and it comes on us, it's hard to not take it personally because it's painful and it's tragic and it's heartbreaking. And so that experience comes on us and the energy of it is on us. We judge ourselves by it. We judge the perpetrator by it. We judge the experience. And we internalize all of that energy. And all of that, all of that becomes an energetic part of our being and our life. And we live then with that energy. And we will see the world through the filters um, of perception that have occurred as a result of those experiences. 
then the process of recovery, and well, let me back up again. You know, we really live in a world that's full of trauma. The human legacy, the history of humanity, our culture is loaded with trauma. And my particular point of view is that these, these traumas, um, you know, whether it's sexual abuse or rape or abandonment or anger and rage, you know, just violence, um, that's all an aspect of the legacy of humanity. And that stuff was going on before we were ever born into this world. And we inherit those experiences because it is what humanity holds as reality. Um, and in that regard, I, I don't see these experiences as being personal. They were here waiting for us the day we were born, and we walk into that reality. We're born into this world. Um, when we inherit those experiences, and they, those things happen to us, from a bigger point of view, they're actually not personal. They're, they're just the way the deal shakes down. You know, if it wasn't you that that happened to, it would have been someone else born into that body or born into your family, into your legacy at the same time. Um, and so we all inherit a little piece of this mess that humanity has made of, of life on earth, the way that we do things. We all inherit our little piece of the action. The power that we hold and the, the, the good side of the story is that we hold the ability to heal that stuff. We, we hold the ability and have the energy and have the connection to spirit to heal it and to release it and to let it go. And that is, for me, the process of recovery. And that's a long journey. That's not a, you know, one of the unfortunate things in our culture in the United States is that we want an immediate fix. We want it to be better right now. And even in our healing we want it to be better right now. We want to read a book. We want to go to a workshop. We want to take a medication. We want to fix what's wrong with us, and we want it done right now, or if not right now, certainly within the next six months. So I can get back to whatever it is I think I'm supposed to be doing that's more important. Well, there really is nothing more important than our healing these issues that we inherit when we come into the world. And as we heal the issues... And as we let that stuff go, we're literally cleaning the legacy of, of humanity. And as we let it go, it's done. It's over. The things that I've healed in my life, I know they're done. You know, no, no one else is going to inherit that stuff because I took the time and energy and stayed with it and worked on it and came out the other side. And I'm very fortunate, you know, and I was very ornery and hard-headed about not accepting less than is good enough. Um, and these processes, you know, there's a lot of tools. And we live in a time when there are a lot of, a lot of modalities, um, a lot of offerings. The 12-step program is a great tool, and it's a tool. You know, cognitive behavioral therapy is a great tool, and it's a tool. Um, um, psychodrama is a great tool, and it's a tool. None of these things alone are an answer. They're tools that are available for us to make use of and, and to be applied to different situations. Dreaming Heaven and the ceremonies and the Native American sweat lodges, um, the, you know, self-reflection, um, interaction in a community, going to meetings. All of these things are assets um, that we have available to us 
to help us and to support us in doing this work of cleaning ourselves and learning to reground ourselves in life and to bring our attention back to our own heart and our own spirit and our own integrity. And whatever comes up that challenges that is the next piece of work. You know, it's the next opportunity to, to, to step into that, to do that piece of work, and to release it and to let it go. Does that make any sense? It does. It makes sense to me. And I think that the thing we need to underline is that is the work, because no matter what tool you use, it requires work. This is an inside-out um, experience. It is. And, you know, one of the most beautiful aspects of all of this, I have a new book that's going to be out in May um, called The Spirit Recovery Medicine Bag. And the first, first half of that book is my personal story. And then the second half of the book, each chapter is a different practice, a different healing practice. Um, and, you know, one of the first questions we have to answer for ourselves in the journey of recovery and healing is, am I really worth it? Do I believe that my life and that me as a human being, am I worth giving my time and my attention to myself for the sake of healing the things that hurt and, and, and overcoming and releasing and letting go of the issues that I inherited by being in this world that haunt me today, you know, whatever that story is. Um, whatever that history or that legacy has been. And um, just by the fact that we acknowledge and make that commitment to ourselves that, yeah, you know what, I'm worth it, and my life is worth it, and, and the legacy I pass on to my children is worth it. Um, just that in itself is a big energetic shift. You know, it's like you're, you're at, we're actually saying to God, we're actually saying to the one that created us, you know what, I'm going to honor the fact that I've been given this life and I'm going, to, I'm going to make a commitment to heal and to bring myself back into balance again so that I might live this life free from the trauma and the legacy of misery that I inherited. Well, and I think that the, oftentimes we believe our legacy is the house we leave or the assets that we leave. And really, that's not what gets passed on from generation to generation. It's either the trauma or the recovery. Oh, absolutely. No, our, to me, our legacy is energetic. <clears throat> it's the presence that we lived. Um, I mean, if you know because you, you live with this stuff all the time. I've lived with this, you know, with working with people for years now. Um, if, if you ask someone who was born into a very traumatic, um, very challenging childhood situation, would you have rather inherited a big house or would you rather have been born into a family that truly loved one another and took care and, and cared for one another and lived in a tent in the desert? They'd have picked the desert. Right. You know? Um, so, and that's one of the issues in our culture is that, you know, culturally the United States, we have come to obsess on materialism, um, and the stuff that money can buy and power and prestige and all those band-aids and boy, that stuff has covered up a huge wound that goes on in this country that we know for a fact is the truth behind the closed doors of the, the mask of America, um, 
And, you know, it's like a cancer. You can, you can keep dressing it up and you can keep covering it up and throwing money at it and throwing whatever you want at it, but the cancer's not going away. Um, the cancer's going to have to be dealt with or the cancer's going to kill the patient. And it's the same thing with addiction. It's look at us, you know, as recovering people, we realized at some point that I, I, I really have an issue here, <laughs> you know. Um, I mean, I'm a mess. Okay, well, when you're willing to own that, then you can change it. But until you own it, you're not going to change it. That's very true. And it's very, and what people don't, I don't think people realize is once you own it, there's freedom. It's not about shame and guilt. It's about freedom from shame and guilt. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we're, again, I, I just, I'm not big on judgment. I'm big on, on the courage to take the action to free ourselves from whatever it is that's haunting you. And there is a way out. And sometimes we have to be ruthless. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you can, I've had a lot of friends over the years that they got sober in AA or NA and they, um, they really worked it and they were sober five years or 10 years and they knew they were still stuck because, because the steps are not an answer to everything. They're not a cure-all to everything. The steps are great. But they were never intended to be alone the answer to all of our issues. And, uh, you know, they just simply don't, don't cover it all. Um, and so they would, you know, they'd find themselves in need of some other angle, some other process, some other way of addressing what still continued to haunt them energetically um, or in their heart or in their spirit. And uh, fortunately... We have, you know, we humans have a lot of choices if we're willing to put the energy into seeking out solutions to the issues that continue to haunt us, and we have to be willing to seek them out. We've got to make that commitment to ourselves. Is that what dreaming heaven is about? You know what, honestly, dreaming heaven is a snapshot of where my life's journey took me. Um. You know, I got out of treatment, I was, um, I had issues with the hardcore 12-step version of recovery. Um, I went to meetings, and I was grateful for meetings, but it, it didn't feel like home to me. I was never, I, I could never accept that, okay, this is it, and, and I just need to accept what I'm being told and, and, you know, follow the path of the people that came before and settle for that, and that was not that basically that was not good enough for me. I knew there was more. Um, so I started reading a lot of different books. I started going to different groups and different classes. You know, I went to Course in Miracles groups. I went to yoga classes. And one thing led to another, and I read The Four Agreements, and that led me to Teotihuacan. And we'll be right back for our final segment with Lee after this commercial. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. You read about it in health news every day. Cancer rates are going up. Obesity in the U.S. is on the rise. Heart disease and diabetes are top killers every year. We can follow the advice of our doctor, but cravings persist. Weight goes up and energy is still down. It doesn't have to be like this. Tune in for Body Balance Talk with Lucy Hewitt and her guest experts. You'll learn how you can work with your body to feel better and look better, too. Body Balance Talk airs live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. Our guest today is Lee McCormick, who, in addition to being a founder of uh, multiple treatment programs, he is the author of the Spirit Recovery Meditation Journal, and he's the executive producer of the documentary Dreaming Heaven, which is, um, you started to talk to us about that, and then we had to go to a commercial, Lee, so could you continue? You bet. Um, well, Dreaming Heaven is... It's a, it was first a documentary film, and I have for 10 years now um, been co-leading or leading journeys to Teotihuacan. Um, these journeys are, are based in the Toltec Mystery School traditions, um, and the Toltec Mystery School is the basis of Miguel Ruiz's books, The Four Agreements and The Mastery of Love, um, and I found Teotihuacan through my own personal recovery journey. Um, I read Miguel's books. I was really moved by his point of view and the energy of, of the Four Agreements. Um, and so I went deeper into it and found out that they led journeys to, to Teotihuacan. And I signed up and went on a journey. Um, and, you know, you fast forward 10 years, I've lived a continuous relationship with the place that we call Teotihuacan. I have a home there now and a little boutique hotel um, that houses people when we go on journeys. Um, but the film Dreaming Heaven is literally a group of people, 18 people, over a five-day journey, and there's nothing rehearsed, there's nothing restaged or shot. You know, um, you're, you're literally 
the camera guys were along for the ride, and they filmed what happened with the people. Um, and after we finished making the film and we started screening it, the response was so was so great. And consistently people said, man, it would be really good if there was a book to go with this because the film is extremely moving. Um, and you're seeing these processes and you're seeing people's reactions. And it would be really good to have a book to go with it. So we got back together and wrote a book that is a mirror of the process and of the journey so that when you buy the book, Dreaming Heaven, in the back of the book is a sleeve with a DVD of the film so you get the book and the film, and then there's directions to the meditations that you can download. Um, so Dreaming Heaven literally is, it wasn't really a business deal idea. It was an offering of something that has worked for a lot of people over the years and helping them reclaim their truth and reclaim their life and heal all of the stuff that we've been talking about. You know, um, so in, in the documentary, people might see folks meditating, or what? What could you tell our audience about what they might see in the documentary? Well, the documentary opens with us going into the ancient city of Teotihuacan. Teo is where the Pyramid of the Sun and the Pyramid of the Moon are, um, and it's it's just a profoundly beautiful archaeological site. And we go into. Um, the plaza in front of the Pyramid of the Sun, and there's an opening scene where we're literally asking people to close their eyes and take themselves back to a time in their life before their first heartbreak and to connect with that, with that simple, clear, clean, sweet place that's still inside of us before you know, the world ever really beat us up or before we beat ourselves up. Um, you know, and, and that's how the journey opens. Um, and then each day, it's four days. Um, the journey is made up of four days. And each day, you're seeing the, the people in the journey, the participants, go through different ceremonies, go through different practices. And all through the film, you'll see us in Teo doing something. You know, the teachers are teaching and the people are engaged and there's this action going on. And then there's these outtakes where we were, every afternoon, we were interviewing the participants on what their experience had been that day. So you're really in the journey with the people and you're hearing their stories. And there's a, there's a very strong recovery thread through the movie. One of the, well, actually, a few of the people um, had a recovery background, but one in particular um, is, is talking about his life and his experience in recovery and how this is impacting his relationship to being a person in recovery and how it opened his life up and opened his point of view up about who he was and, and you know, the, the opportunities that he had in his life that, that he had just really not been willing to acknowledge. So it's, it's very powerful. And how can people get the, the um, book and the DVD? Well, the book is distributed by Hay House. Um, Hay House is a, the, the largest publishing company of, um, you know, mental, of, of spiritual and self-help books in the world. Um, so it's available on Amazon.com. It's available at Barnes & Noble. It's available at your local bookstore. You can order Dreaming Heaven from your local bookstore. 
Um, and it's also available through our website, which is dreamingheaven.net. And is that the best way to get in touch with you? It is. You bet. Yeah, you can email me through dreamingheaven.net, um, you know, just through the contact page at dreamingheaven.net. And, you know, we, we still, I just got back from Mexico two nights ago. Um, we do three or four journeys a year to Teotihuacan. So the opportunity to live that experience um, is still going on. And, uh, you know, the journeys typically cost around $1,000, um, and you have to buy your airfare to Mexico City. But we've got the process down where it's very, it's, it's really very simple. It's totally safe, um, you know, and we really try and keep the cost down as low as we can. It's $1,000, but that covers rooms and food and everything. It's all inclusive for the five days. Um, so it really is an offering to people who who feel called to you know to to go live this experience. That's what we're there for. Do you follow up with folks who've been there like a few years ago to find out what the long term results? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's one of those things that it's one of those experiences that a lot of people come back. They'll come back once a year for years um, because as we grow and as we evolve and as we heal and clean ourselves, our perception broadens and opens up. So it's never, I've been, I've been going to Teo for 15 years continuously. It's, there are no two days in a row that are the same ever. Um, it's a very alive place and literally the experience meets you where you're at. So you know, it's it's a really great experience to come back to, um, to just get regrounded and kind of reboot yourself. So, if there's one um, pearl of wisdom for our audience, what what would you give them today? You know, the truth is, the truth is, we're all in this together. We're all in this world together. We're all in this life together. And um, you and your life and your value as a human being is worth the time and the energy and the courage that it takes to be willing to, to ask for help and to be willing to, to stretch and grow and to open yourself up to opportunities to heal. And... Um, you know, and to come back to the truth of who you really are, because the truth of who we really are is still there. It's still inside of us. It hasn't gone anywhere. It can be buried, and we can be almost completely disconnected from it, but it never goes away, not really. And the truth of who we really are is an aspect of the one that created us. We thank you so much for sharing this hour with us, and for everybody, um, I hope you had a great week this coming week and that you can get Lee's book Dreaming Heaven and the Spiritual Recovery the Spirit Recovery Meditation Journal at Hay House. Yeah, and the Spirit Recovery yeah. Meditation Journal is available through um, HCI Books and you can also order okay. it from your bookstore or Amazon. Okay, great. Um, thank you, Lee. No, oh, Mary, thank show. you. Have a great one. Thank you. Have a good week, everybody. 
we appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.